This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the newsletter. It has gotten great feedback, and the newsletter was created in the same vein as this podcast. It's a means to equip comedians to make life pursuing comedy a little easier. So if you're not subscribed, you're missing out. We got some good nuggets in there, and you can subscribe with the link in the bio. We're also in the middle of a book giveaway. We're decided to do a book giveaway for the first eight weeks of the newsletter, and your subscription is one entry into that book giveaway. You get a chance to win one of the books. So subscribe. That link in bio will help you. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram at There It Is Pod. You can find out who is winning this Friday. All right. Today's guest is Meg Pearson, a friend of ours from Greenville, South Carolina. And it's the classic story of a small town girl making it in a big city. She's just a small town girl. That's Michael McDonald singing Journey. All right. You know what? Let's just get right to it. She tells us all about the awesome things she's doing. And you also get to hear a little bit of a surprise guest from girlfriend of the show, Justina. So let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Meg Pearson. Meg, thanks for being here. You're officially on the podcast you've kind of been on before. I'm very excited to officially. <laughs> I mean, I, I dipped my toe in, but this time I've plunged Right. In. And for people who don't remember, because it was a while ago. Yeah, it was a um, minute. Yeah. I mean, it was before we even moved here. Yeah. Uh, you were in the Greenville Comedy Marathon episode that had a few people from, as, as representatives of, of the Greenville comedy scene. And Harrison Brookie was the one who actually did the interviewing that episode. Yes, that's true. And isn't it wild, though, that uh, that now here we are, same podcast, different location. <laughs> right. Uh, here in your cool place in Gowanus. Yeah, I know. We love it here. And it's just um, fun. It's great. Uh, we'll have to, I don't know, make Harrison do something for this episode. Since <laughs> we should. He can squawk. He's very good at just coming in and doing like a, ah, and then I'll just go back. No, uh, no, that was a, a fun episode, but now we can actually break down what you've been doing since you moved here. You moved here two months before we did, right? Or yeah. the month before, something like that. So I moved here in January, and y'all moved in March, March, correct? right, right. Yeah. So you've been here basically the same amount of time we've been here. Yeah. Uh, and things, great things have been going on with you since you've moved here, but let's first go back. Back in time. Let's go back and talk about where all your performance passion came from. When did that start for you? Oh, man. So um, it really started uh, truly like as early as I can remember. <laughs> my, uh, my cousin 
would, who is now a producer, which really makes sense, he would uh, write <laughs> and put together these plays for Christmas oh, spectaculars. <laughs> and then I would be in the Christmas spectacular. But there weren't that many of us. It was, <laughs> we did not have a lot of kids in my generation. Uh-huh. So there were three of us. And one of them was a baby for most of this. So oh, wow. So always playing the baby Jesus. Always. Yeah. For at least Lord a couple and of years. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he really lived into, you know, went into that role. Very I well. See. He has, has never sinned in his life. So. Did you play multiple characters in each of these, or is yeah. it just limited to, well, we can only be three people? So we play multiple characters. Um, my cousin, and you know, who can fault him for this because mm-hmm. he was the writer, would always be Santa. Um, so I just had to play a number of characters that would interact with Santa. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, be it like a child that's excited by Santa uh-huh. or uh, a ne'er-do-well elf uh, that would get scolded and told to go back to work. And this started your whole improv career, when you think about it, because you're playing multiple characters in improv shows, mm-hmm. and uh, you were doing it as a six-year-old or whatever you were. Uh, I don't know, as early as you can remember, but... Totally. As early as you can remember, you've been essentially playing all these characters. It's true. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. I So I was an only child uh, uh, up until fairly late. My mom had mm-hmm. my... Uh, my first brother when I was 11 and when you're an only kid you're you're just playing with whatever you can find (laughs) I would go to TJ Maxx with my mom and Uh I would sit in front of the belts Uh and she would just park me there which honestly her only child you would think it would be precious cargo but it's the 90s and anything went and I would take the tips of the belts Mm -hmm. and I would give each belt a personality and I would like make them talk to each other one time I got scolded for it and it was a huge deal Uh, But I played with dolls and Mm -hmm. various Mm -hmm. things, honestly, into my teenage years (laughs) because I it was they were there and it was Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, well, once you once you leave that that stage of make believe um, uh, and it basically like became almost tantamount to like porn where like i couldn't let anyone know that i was still playing with my dolls yeah okay Um, okay. you know but like uh i you know once you once you reach that age when you stop playing like you can never go back to that but i i um i got back to it uh in high school when i was Mm -hmm. in uh a uh, a theater group with the south carolina children's theater and um we started doing improv once when we had some spare time mm-hmm. and it was like a revelation mm-hmm. i hadn't laughed that hard <laughs> in ages and you know and it just felt so incredibly freeing the teacher was out of the room so we kind of felt like we were doing something illicit when really we were just putting uh you know doing two-person scenes right right but it was that was when i thought oh i definitely want to pick this up and and do this more often oh that's really cool and you were also doing plays around this time, weren't you? Or did that come a little later? So, uh, yes, I was doing some plays. Uh, some people may remember the D.A.R.E. program. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> I was involved in a play uh, called Addict that um, 
really nailed all of the points uh-huh. that uh, that the high schoolers were supposed to learn. Everyone had a monologue, and each time someone would meet an untimely death mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, by doing drugs. So I worked my way up from the girl, but it was written in the 70s, so these were not drugs anyone was using in the early 2000s. So I, I worked my way up from the girl who had a short monologue about how she took too many quaaludes and uh-huh. walked into an airplane propeller mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. into... Uh, the the goody two shoes monologue uh, where I was taking both uppers and downers in order to handle my crazy course load in high school. <laughs> um, wow. Promotion. Well, it's it's more fitting that that came out in Dare and not in the Christmas family place that you're doing. <laughs> That's true. Although I later found out that quaaludes in the 70s were a thing used by any number of people. Maybe mm-hmm. or maybe not family members. Who knows? <laughs> it's a podcast. I won't say it. <laughs> they won't know how to find it. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just trying to... Ex- like my, my mom just got the hang today of what a podcast is, it seems like. Because I was explaining to her the newsletter I started... And she was like, well, you know, I don't know what that means. And um, (laughs) she said that when I told her the first time a couple years ago about the podcast. But then today she was like, and now I know what a podcast is. That's what you interviewed me for. Oh, I (laughs) I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's, you figured it out. Oh, (laughs) Um, it takes a while. She can't listen to them probably you know like you know. that's true well i know where space is but i don't normally you know i can't identify right i can't go there. there right we're all in the same boat true so very young age you got into wanting to be a performer mm-hmm. uh you were performing back home you went to college did you perform there were you a, a theater major or anything like yeah so i was a history major okay um, which also I, means I, I have other things I want to do with my life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was a history major, but for a while, actually thought that I would get my PhD in history. Cool. I um, and still, I I think like if I had unlimited funds, um, the thought of just studying mm-hmm. forever sounds really great. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I guess I could actually do in my own time, right, but right. you know, I watch. They a lot make of it easier nowadays. Yeah. You know. I mean, that makes it harder than Netflix, but that's true. The internet makes it easier to study all the time that's true but who has the time who has the time when uh you know tumblers with baby hippos are available (laughs) right goodness you know um but anyway so yeah i um uh, but while i was at uh clemson Mm -hmm. um i uh was kind of uh theater adjacent so Mm -hmm. i uh Mm -hmm. started doing a lot of dramaturgy which is really you know kids if you're listening and you're like i'm super into history but i also love theater what do i do uh dramaturgy where you Mm -hmm. research uh the historical background uh for plays so i would do that oh wow yeah super fun i'm Um, learning new things too not just the kids not just the kids, not just the youths. Um, but yeah, so dramaturgy was uh, was fun. But in addition to that, I was also in Mock Turtle Soup. Right, the improv team there. The improv, the school's improv show. I guess it isn't officially, it's not like the school put it together, but it is the college improv team. It is, yeah. And I, I remember going to, uh, to my first show and uh, working up the courage to then uh, actually talk to Jason Underwood after the show. <laughs> Our good friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was just so, uh, I had extremely sweaty palms. And um, 
and like shuffled up to him and was like, I hear you guys have auditions, but like tried to sound very confident and like almost haughty. And, and he was just like, like, yeah, 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 we have. Yeah. Uh, got some water out of a, uh, a reused uh, Coke bottle that he has because, fun point, uh, in college, Jason would reuse water, uh, mm-hmm. Coke bottles for water for three weeks at a time. Oh, wow. It was a well, lot. I mean, it's a good way to balance the sugary carbonated beverage with water. You know, like it's a good one-to-one ratio you know that you're getting your water intake to cancel out the coke intake that's so true (laughs) and that is true and and it also was just a fun way for him to have something to play with whenever anyone was talking to it flip it and then put it in the crook of his arm and flip it it looked real cool yeah yeah, that's um, how he started a gang. <laughs> he did start a gang. Um, I don't know if he's legally allowed to talk about the gang because of the oh, deaths. Oh, right. Oh, right, 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 right. But, but he, did, uh, he did kill a lot of Pepsi lovers. Oh, well. In South Carolina, apparently there are a lot of them. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's true. Are you a Pepsi man? No. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. Very strong no. Thank goodness. I don't like it. I like Coke. So if Coke wants to support the podcast... <laughs> I mean, I don't know anybody who uh, truly believes in the power of Pepsi. And my God, dad, my dad very much does. Really? Yeah. Wow. He's he's passive aggressive about it. Not really, but <laughs> I just remember at a restaurant once years ago, we were having a family dinner and uh, I ordered Coke and they said, oh, we don't have that. We have Pepsi. And he was like, hey, it's good and better. You know, like, Whoa. like twisted the knife in and it's like there's no no coke representative here exactly (laughs) like no one's no one's listening to this but you know what that was the one time that sheila has ever heard that and it felt real good so she was like yeah we made good choices i'm proud to be at the stacks well cherry coke is my favorite so listen i'm a vanilla coke girl i do like a vanilla coke so good Yeah. I would drink one right now. If I had it, I would give you one right now. And I appreciate that. If I had a cherry Coke, I'd give you one. Instead, we have wine. Delicious Pinot Noir. Yeah, that girlfriend of the show, Justina, provided as uh, the great girlfriend of the show that she is. Truly. And uh, being the great girlfriend of the show that she is, she even knew that I love Pinot Noir, specifically. Oh, I did not know that. It's very, it was, wow. it's very elegant. It's one of the most elegant of the pinos. Mm-hmm. And this is a, <laughs> this is a very good uh, bottle of, of wine too. I don't know how to pronounce it. But um, try. But try? Yeah. It, uh, that's almost the name. Uh, I mean, it's B-A-C-C-H-U-S. Oh. Um, I don't know if that's Bacchus or Bacchus. It's Bacchus. Bacchus. It's the god of wine. Oh, I did not know there was a god of wine. Oh, yeah. Now hey, I did do. you ever watch Fantasia? <laughs> I know. You know what? I haven't seen Fantasia. Oh, my gosh. I'm not going to tell you I'm behind on a lot of Disney movies. Fantasia was a moment for me. Okay. I could, um, I could see Disney movies in general being a good moment for you. Yeah. But you seem like someone who loves those movies. I love... Um, I like... Uh, being effusive (laughs) and and i think that uh disney allows me to do that cool i'll be Mm -hmm. straight up with you i i will go to disney world now (laughs) as a woman in her 30s with no children yeah yeah i think it's fun yeah i went on uh 
I've gone to movies like that, animated movies with people, with <laughs> <laughs> adults. That's that's true. Um, or college students, even like, like that doesn't really count as much. Would you go to Disney World? Absolutely. As an adult, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been as a kid, but as an adult, I think they only have Pepsi around the premises, though. So that's, no, I don't know. That's, that's, I mean, they might. I haven't been in ages. I'd definitely go again. Yeah, it was a it was a hoot. I haven't been in a while, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. it was a treat. I mean, they own everything now, so they're all there. You know, you've got they own the Simpsons, the Marvel universe. Um, there's some other things they own. Um, I, there's so much that they would have there that'd be fun. Yeah, wait, they own the Simpsons? I, I believe so. Oh my god! I think I I heard that somewhere, and I thought, oh, that's that would be pretty amazing if they if that's true, and that, I I think it is. That is crazy because there's a ride at Universal Studios mm-hmm. with the Simpsons, but that was ages ago. So mm-hmm. I can't mm-hmm. help but wonder, like, were they like, well, we'll just change this into a fun ride like, <laughs> and not mention Simpsons at all? <laughs> I wonder if was it who was it that had the uh, oh it was Carowinds that had the Top Gun ride. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Top Gun. Oh god. It's coming back. Uh, maybe they still have that ride, but they change all that stuff. I, it was the '80s when I went to Universal Studios and uh, Disney World, so it's all it would all be new to me. Yeah, and it's funny because it would all be new, and yet they they're bringing us some mm-hmm. of the retro rides from the '80s back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been like six years since I've been, so it could be that it's all. But like the um, there was one that Michael Jackson was in oh, at Disney World. The uh, oh, what's the name? Why am I blanking on it? I guess it's because he's canceled. No, um, <laughs> no, uh, it, the song "Just Another Part of Me" is is in it. Yes. Yeah, I, it's at the tip of my tongue. My brother is like, "Come on, you idiot!" Uh, it's blank, but I can't. I'm, it starts with an E. I think Francis Ford Coppola directed the he movie. Did. Yeah, it's yeah. I so just don't crazy. remember. Angelica uh, Houston, Hurston. What? Houston. Uh, Houston is in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Looking ravishing. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen any of that. Oh, gosh. So bugs me. I can see it. I have all these other details, and I'm blanking on the name. But, you know, you have a bit of a, and I mean this as a compliment, a Disney princess thing vibe about you. You know, I think it's, um, you know, I guess it's why Pino is, you know, the finest. You have an elegance. You know, the way you dress, you have uh, your, you have language that's uh, kind of like you call yourself a silly goose. and. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you have these old phrases people don't use anymore. It all just seems all very classic Disney. You know, um, I so we've done a lot of roasts at, at, at Alchemy, <laughs> right, which right. We'll, we'll touch on. But one of my favorite roast jokes actually came from you uh, during one of the roasts in which you said that I just sound like a uh, 40s radio drama come to life. <laughs> which, actually, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> it was very accurate. I tried really hard to not say mean things. Um, and you just, succeeded. Just accurate things. Yeah. Um, Craig Holcomb had the best one, but we... It, it's, it listeners won't understand it because he did he acted something out and you'd have to see her do improv. It's yeah, such a classic. But it was it like, was a good guy. So where does that language for you come from? Like what is what inspired that? 
Yeah, what a fantastic question that I have never asked myself, but have like I've always. So I love uh, I love old movies, mm-hmm. and I enjoy reading. Um, I mean, ever since I was a child, and again, this is like only child behavior. Um, I would right before it was dinner time, mm-hmm. I would run out the back door, and I would come to the front door. And pretend to be a different child. <laughs> and, um, and my parents, God bless them, just tolerated it. And they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, you're our only child at this point. So we'll, yeah. And But like, they really were great. And then there would be other times where I would want to, um, I would pretend that we were like Little House on the Prairie. And I'd be uh-huh. like, a fun. It's so wonderful that we were able to harvest all the corn and like, like nonsense things. But they brought me such joy. I mean, we talked about Disney World. I think mm-hmm. this is actually pretty in line. Um, if someone was like, I'll say it now. If Colonial Williamsburg <laughs> reached out to me right now and uh-huh. was like, Meg, what's up? Mm-hmm. Come on down. Mm-hmm. We want you to be an interpreter. I would 100% move to Colonial Williamsburg. <laughs> Where was it? I don't think you were with, I, I I don't think you were with me but I I went to a town that you had been to and I heard about how when you went there you wanted to go see all the like historical monuments and things like this is very on brand everything you're saying is yeah. very on brand. Um I think it was uh Richmond Oh, I did want to see the historical. <laughs> you weren't even on that trip, and people were like, "Oh yeah, last year we uh, you know went to these different places because Meg wanted to go." And I was like, "Wow, yeah. <laughs> that sounded like a field trip it was, that you took in school." <laughs> I really, and I was trying to push for a couple museums that we wound up not going to. <laughs> that may have come up as well. People were like, "Really? We can't get, just go drink?" Honestly, <laughs> I'm sure that's all they wanted to do. It was, <laughs> and you're like. Well, I want to see where George Hamilton, I mean, not George Hamilton, George Washington, but then I had Hamilton on my brain. Yeah. And now I'm talking about um, very tan individuals uh, from 80s and 90s TV shows. Anyway, um, yeah, you, that's that's a great, uh, it's one of the great characteristics of a Meg Pearson is that you, you have, I, it all explains the history major now so i didn't realize that you were a history major now it explains everything that i've known about you it's like you have a astute knowledge of certain historical things but also a fascination with it and worked at a uh at a historical museum i did well that's lovely that you know that i did i worked at uh the upcountry history museum well you brought i know because you brought me in on a on a couple of events that's true Mm -hmm. um i uh i was excited to be able to do that uh for a lot of reasons but um one of which was because they had given me far too much responsibility for a recent graduate. Um, and they were like, surprise, you're now in charge of adult and family programming for this thing. And also, like, why are there not more 20 and 30-year-olds coming to our museum? Um, it was uh, it was a chore. And I mm-hmm, look back mm-hmm. on that, and I think on paper, that was my dream job. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it was really really hard <laughs> yeah you know it really does bring a lot of things together i mean it's your your passion for performance as well as your love of history so it was it, you know it does really fit with it was everything comes a good synergy 
It was. And I was, I was glad. I mean, I was even able, and it was actually one of my first times that I was able to write things, which mm-hmm. I think has really come into play here in New York. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it kind of gave me the confidence. I would write these monologues for different things that we would have around the museum. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorites, because I, I mean, who doesn't love epidemiology, like the study of, of <laughs> epidemics? I mean, it's just fascinating <laughs> to me. But um but I had this uh, this whole event where people walked around the museum with flashlights and uh, they would run across people who had particular diseases from different times. <laughs> um, and that was great. Were you involved in that? I, I wasn't involved in that one. I was involved in one that... Um, inv- I don't know what the overall thing... I was a person who was a former slave who uh, got free because he was left on the ship in like charleston i forget his name oh my god because it was the only time i was i i'm just bad with names but it was the only time i'd heard of him but he was a, a slave who uh they left on the ship and then they went to land and they just kind of arrogantly left him left the slaves on the ship like, oh, yeah, we don't need to worry about them. They're not going to go anywhere. And he was like, well, I know how to I know how to work a boat, and I, I know the area really well. So he stole the ship, went to the, the uh, Northern Army, and then said, like, hey, we're slaves. Oh, my God. And I know how to get through the channels there. I know, I know the area well, so I can guide you back so we can defeat the South. You know, like... You played Robert Smalls. Yes. Ah. Yes. What an amazing and mm-hmm. completely, I mean, you talk about a, a what yeah. an amazing man. Yeah. There needs to be a movie about Robert Smalls. I was Smalls. just about to say that. I don't understand why it was, his name is so uncommonly said that I couldn't remember it until you said it. You know, like it was, it's one of those things that's in the back of my head. Um, I mean, I, I know the story, but... That, People need to know about the guy. People do. And frankly, I don't even think a lot of people know about the story. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. And frankly, one of the few stories from that time period that actually ends pretty happily. I can't quite remember. Yeah, he went on to be a congressman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he he was a representative in South Carolina. Amazing. Yeah, truly, truly a hero. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... You let's let's uh, advance a little bit of your time. I know you went to Brazil for a little bit. Did you perform while you were there? Oh, uh, every was day Brazil? was, was a performance. Brazil? Yeah, <laughs> I was in uh, Sao Paulo, um, and it was just a uh, uh, just a a. It's rough, and I think it was one of the most challenging times. And I think anybody who uh, has lived in a foreign country and is trying to uh, have work on a new language mm, will understand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was um you lose your personality oh wow. because so much of my personality is using weird words and <laughs> chatting right you can't use vernacular if you don't know the language super well yeah no so it was a lot of people thinking that i wasn't very smart <laughs> and uh which frankly like when you're not when you're not the hot girl you know, like you've always had that thought of like, well, mm-hmm. but I'm really funny and smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you just lose this whole part of you, and mm-hmm. so that was six months of me just sort of swimming in the sea of like, oh no, who am wow. I? Wow, I haven't thought about that. That when you can't utilize your humor, it really 
handicaps you in a lot of ways. You know, like it, like socially speaking. Totally. You and, do lose your personality. And I have a resting worry face. Uh, so I've never noticed that. Oh, <laughs> I always people will ask me in, in just random times if I'm if I'm okay. <laughs> Uh, I would have teachers stop conversations to be like, are you okay? Oh, wow. And, but it was really uh, just when I'm focusing on something. Yeah. My Sometimes the thinking face looks... My thinking face apparently looks mad. I would so much rather have that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, because when you look mad, I mean, no one comes up to you. Did they say, are you okay? How do people respond to that? They don't say, are you okay? But when the thinking face comes... Like, I was working on a play and, a, and a, the director was giving me notes... And I was just thinking them through. And so I had a thinking face, and he thought he had offended me. And so he was like, am I upsetting you? And I said, no, not at all. <laughs> like, and I, you know, For me, that's a nightmare scenario for uh, the authority figure, uh, who's a super great man, um, to think that I'm difficult and, and easily angered or something like that. That's, a, that's my nightmare scenario. So, yeah. um, like, socially speaking. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm sure I could think of something worse, but nevertheless, like I just don't like that, and I, I was worried then of just being. It was also the first play I did, and 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 so I was just worried that I was gonna look like like a jerk, but um, <laughs> and be deemed the difficult person in the Greenville scene. Mm-hmm. But I and I worry about that a lot here. Um, if I'm taking in notes from someone, and. Uh, just have to like run them through my brain a couple times. I worry that I I'm gonna seem difficult to the team or to everyone around or to the the person coaching. I think if I can say you know what I know as as your friend, teammate, and uh, one time coach. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think when you something that makes you unique is that you will ask the questions mm-hmm. to make sure mm-hmm. that you really understand the note. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think. Not enough people do that. People will just sort of take it and they'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. And because they're not they're really, really absorbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But the questions will really, I mean, on occasion, I, I know for me, when you would ask the questions, I would think, oh, am I wrong? And I would start to like really make sure that I'm being clearer. And, mm. and I don't know. I found that to be very challenging for me as a coach in a good in way. In a good way? Yeah. My concern in those situations was oh does she think i am challenging her in a bad way when i just want to understand better right no i Mm -hmm. i never thought that i think in any of those scenarios the insecurity or or the nervousness the sweaty palms that i might have had (laughs) at the time was really just imposter syndrome oh okay oh gosh isn't that so tough constantly do you struggle with that that's the thing for me i do um and it's part of the reason why I haven't even tried to coach up here. Because mm-hmm. I coached back home, um, two or three teams, uh, and, or maybe I should say two or three seasons. And, you know, it was totally like, okay, I'm learning and we're all learning and growing. And so I didn't think about it so much. And then I moved up here and met some of the teachers <laughs> and coaches that are up here. And I thought, Oh, I shouldn't have been coaching. <laughs> I shouldn't have been coaching ever. These are coaches. These are real people. And so it was like a retroactive imposter syndrome. And then being on a team up here, um, I've gotten over this since. But the first season, a little bit of the first season, I definitely had, like, what am I doing on this stage? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? why are we, uh, like, 
we being me just like in my head um like why are we with these great people around like why why would that be the case yeah i would say the first time that i really came truly face to face with that imposter syndrome and then kind of basked in the 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 afterglow of overcoming Mm. that hump Mm -hmm. was uh when i first hosted tedx in greenville yeah which you did too much fanfare and you've did it done it a couple of times i did it two times yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was it was great but Mm -hmm. i mean real talk i uh I was so panicked mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. whether or not, and and I truly like the first time that I walked onto that stage, I thought, I have no business being here. Like, what am, what am I doing? Right, you know? right. Am I gonna be? Uh, can I cut this mustard? I didn't. I'm so surprised that you think you were thinking that because um, we sort of interviewed together, I guess, for it. Um, I didn't know that it was necessary to host. I guess it was just to sort of figure out, but figure things out but you were so on top of it from the get-go that it was like obviously yours and you're also so good on the stage and and uh in front of a camera and working in that way that it was just of course obvious you would be doing this thank you but it, so, it really i mean i i felt like it could be just a complete toss-up mm-hmm. when uh, frankly it's no surprise because you host have hosted multiple things yeah like, but it wasn't always. anything like 10x i mean i guess a couple of things were but you could be a little looser in the things I was in. I, I mean, like you were, it was like you were hosting the tonight show and I was hosting late night. Mm. So yeah, both are hosting events, but, uh, less attention is being put on me. So I could kind of screw around a little bit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there were definitely moments. I, um, I thought that I'd done a significant amount of research and, um, one of my my only real regrets when I first hosted uh, TEDx, and I'm drawing a blank on um, this rapper's name, but I was introducing one of our uh, musicians, mm-hmm. and as a joke, uh, the uh, the curator and I had been talking about uh, this dance that I created called mm-hmm. the slow jump rope, <laughs> and and I could only do it while um, singing. Uh, Genuine's Pony. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm just making a... <laughs> You love that song, I just know, as being your dear friend. I love that song, and I love that, that my good friends know that. <laughs> I think that song is great. We've done that at karaoke. We've done that at karaoke together. <laughs> we have. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, Pony's such a great song. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a jam. It's a 90s jam. Totally. Mm-hmm. And and I, I love it because like when I was a homeschooler in, in Greenville, <laughs> Pony made me incredibly uncomfortable, mm-hmm, but in mm-hmm. a good like one day I'll have an awakening and this will be a, this will be fine kind of way. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I went up and I did this like slow jump rope to <laughs> while um, beatboxing Pony to my for myself. And then this amazing, uh, artist comes up and does about 15 minutes of just mind-blowing conscious rap. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, <that's laughs> and then it was just... <laughs> I felt like the biggest jerk. <laughs> and and I, had, I should have listened to more of his stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and then I... I listened to his music while he was performing... 
and then slowly sauntered back on stage just feeling like a moron for you know listen i've i've taken swings too (laughs) and sometimes it's worked out and you're like boy if that hadn't have worked out I'm sure it was fine in your situation. It, it's I think it's the syntax that makes it feel like, oh wow, why why would I do that right before that? But you know, we're all just out here doing our we're best. We're all just doing our best. You know, there's a, a moment of levity is great at all yeah. times. <laughs> and I think you know maybe it was good to have that moment of levity before. He, uh, mm-hmm. before he he definitely couldn't have done it afterwards no there was <laughs> you know? no room afterwards for that <laughs> he's a great artist and I wish I could drop his name right now and I can't <laughs> but uh, yeah I don't know who Benny was Star oh Benny Star his okay. name is Benny mm-hmm. Star out of Charleston definitely worth a stream he's yeah. fantastic great great well Benny Star check him out check him out I'm sure he's on SoundCloud I'm sure that he is. Just Google Benny Starr. Yeah. Too many people. Um, <laughs> but anyway, all that to say that the moment that I, the second time I got onto that stage, mm-hmm. I realized all that I have to do is be myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was an amazing moment. I've, I had never felt that confident. Oh, good. And it's this, this thing, and I feel that here in New York where... Um, Right before I go on, I feel this like, can I do this again? Am I, am, is this going to be okay? Are, yeah, you which know? you never know what the show's really going to be, no matter how much you prepare. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, that's always in there. But w- did these past experiences help that? Is that what you're about to go? Yeah, with? I feel like I I walked away from from those moments, and and I mean, uh, experience has taught me that it is always okay, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. if it's not the best show. <laughs> It's also okay. It's also okay. <laughs> uh, that is the thing that you just keep hearing people say. Like, I think I recently heard Andy Richter talk about when uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, who he was saying, you could sort of tell when Jake Gyllenhaal went on. Um, it was probably late night, but it could have been Conan. And <laughs> to promote something, you could just tell that he was excited to be there and probably grew up watching them. Yeah. And after their segment ended he sort of turned to Andy Richter and was like when he was walking away he was like was that okay and Andy Richter's response was oh honey it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) no one's gonna not go see the movie now or go see the movie none of this matters we're just goofing around like don't worry about it and that's that's true you know it's it's an interesting balance to have in this arts and entertainment world because we do care so much about it It it's what we're passionate about Mm -hmm. but at the same time you do it is healthy to have a little bit of a well that's how it went (laughs) you know like can't do anything else now it's over (laughs) for sure yeah and it's like you know I will have another show. They're right. not canceling the show after this one. <laughs> and also, frankly, like, I think you and I have been performing enough where our caliber of that wasn't a solid show mm-hmm. is not going to be what the, the typical audience member yeah. is going to, you know, they're not right, going to right. know that you had a bad show because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. your work is still going to be hilarious. Right, right. You know? And I, it, it it's a healthy bat like last night I was in a show and I was playing a clown in this play. It was like kind of geared towards kids. 
And the two scenes where I was playing the clown, I forgot to put the nose on at the beginning of the scene. And I, of course, beat myself up the entire show. Not beat myself up, but I was like, ah, you did everything else right. That was the one stupid thing you did wrong, you dummy. You know, like I said that. And then the show was over, and I totally forgot about that, really. It wasn't like a present memory. And it really is this, that thing that you're talking about of show's over. People liked it. I had a good time. Does it really matter that I I eventually put the nose on? Yeah. <laughs> Does it matter? It's you true. It, and I, I agree. It's, it's this weird balance, though. And I, I think I, I want to be honest and say that there are definitely... Me being on stage is, is a shade of me, and mm-hmm. it's who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I recently have gotten into a habit, and I don't know if this is a good habit or a bad habit, and I, I'm sure I'm not alone in the world doing this, but I um, will wind up staying in the green room and uh, in the during intermission for one of my shows, particularly on, on Saturday nights, mm-hmm. and... Um, and I find myself getting kind of panicky. Mm. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why. I don't know. This is kind of a newer thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I think it's... I think the, the key is to just keep on performing. Right, yeah. Through it. And, and, you know, there'll be time for reflection, time for discussion. Right. It's not even that it's a bad show. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. if I stay too long in that space, I, like, will just start to look. I'll think about where I didn't put the nose on. Right, right, know? exactly. I think it comes down to some of the advice that I've heard Conan O'Brien speak on in interviews of doing a late night show is a marathon it's it's not a relay race you know it's not like a shorter race and uh, I think they maybe actually worded a little differently but the idea is that it's it's the long haul you know so they have so many shows a week and so if you're performing uh, every week or a, a several times a month or a couple times a month for the whole year i mean you know that's 24 shows at least and that's the marathon you know if you had if one of those wasn't quite up to par you had 23 other shows Exactly. you know the thing to take seriously is preparing and knowing your lines and knowing what you're doing and and being professional right and other than that you can't really control it too much because there are things that are going to go as planned and things that aren't going to go as planned. Even if you do it right, it's not going to go off as planned. Yeah. So you just have to sort of um, take it as it comes and goes. Because it's all just coming and going. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at it that way, um, there's something just so incredibly freeing mm-hmm. about being on a stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting up there and just thinking, I'm going to own this. Right. In uh, When we were back in uh, South Carolina, there was uh, a, something going on in, in my personal life that just kind of made me think, like, I was losing confidence. Mm. But I would write uh, on my arm where no one could see it, mm-hmm. uh, just like a little... A little, uh, a little temp tat, you know, um, and I would write, uh, "This is my house," uh, oh, nice. somewhere, and it was just I knew that it was there, yeah. and it was almost like uh, kind of prep uh, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. a show. And I'd love to hear what your show prep is. I always bend over and touch the ground. Uh, oh, you were you doing that in the green room during local? Okay, <laughs> you would do that every week. Yeah, and um. <laughs> 
I would always. I don't know if you knew this. No, I sure didn't. But I would always make a joke with with Jason Underwood. Um, where, cause you know, like, <laughs> there's a stupid thing guys will do of like nudging. Was like, oh, check her out or something like oh. that. So I would always. In the in like a not smooth way, like the joke is, I'm not being smooth about this right. at all. I'd be like, "Oh look!" <laughs> you know? I never knew that you did that. I thought you did, but then it was it did get to a point where I was like, maybe she doesn't know, and maybe I shouldn't do this. But it was always sort of like, at first it just became. It, at first it was just like pointing at something and him not knowing what I was pointing at. And then it was your butt. <laughs> and then he'd be like, oh, man. And so then it just became like, oh, my God, look. Yeah. And he would, like, he, would, he would always fall for it. Always. I had absolutely no idea. Well, I feel terrible. Don't. But there's an audience member who's probably offended on my behalf. And I promise you, I think that that's delightful. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't. We were, I wouldn't do that with anyone else. Right. I think... That team, that group of people were, were close enough. Mm-hmm. And even like, like I would have done it to Harrison if he was bending down in front of me every week. But, um, <laughs> or Ben. Um, yeah. I would not have done it to Lena because I don't feel as close to Lena. No. And um, I think that's And I, there's no other woman I would have done that to. Yeah. But I <laughs> but think we were unique. We're, we were, and you and I were kind of the tightest out of that. I guess because you and, and Jason I knew the longest. Mm-hmm. But, um, so yeah, we, I always felt sort of very, like, uh, uh, familial, uh, with the, with the group, particularly you two, since I'd known you for a decade. Yeah. Um, but that was, uh, those, so to answer your question though, like my pre-show ritual, aside from, um, pointing and, and, uh, tricking Jason Underwood, um, my pre-show ritual back home was just to go get a beer and uh, and food at this at, at Barley's because I love Barley's Tap Room, and they had a uh, uh, great pizza and great beer, and I would that, that's how I got in my head, and I would go over notes. And um, uh, here, my ritual is completely different because I could Barley's is like a two minute walk away from the theater uh, in Greenville, so here I don't have that same experience. The the hour before i have to be at the theater i have to travel to the theater i'm on the train yeah so what i my ritual now is doing a a meditation on the train Mm. um which is one that i did on i've mentioned it before in the podcast it was from the jessica broadbeck episode uh it was the one that she created for us and um i want to have another meditation on the podcast one day so uh, uh, be on the lookout but that's my medit that's my ritual now is to do a meditation mm-hmm. and it's been great for me um i do want a, i just like solitary moments because that's what going to barley's was like it was like being able to just sit and relax and I know I don't get nervous before shows but it was good to just connect and feel grounded mm-hmm. and that's why I guess what meditation does for me it's been different um you know in improv uh warm-ups are such a such mm. a fun tradition and right. 
I um, so I don't do improvised shows anymore uh, here. I mean, I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. would love. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, uh, one day. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the most part, uh, I do improvise when I MC uh, one of my shows. But the other one is a scripted show, and mm-hmm, we kind of mm-hmm. ad lib jokes inside it. Um, but uh, typically. Um, I've tried to get my my uh, uh, co-hosts to uh, to do improv games with me, but they're not improvisers. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and they always say, oh, Stand-ups yeah, we love too, this. Especially you're like, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my, my host for Wire Train is effed, uh, uh, refuses to, uh, to do <laughs> yeah, the yeah, warm-ups with me. It's not an improviser, <laughs> and he makes that very clear. Yeah. Um, well, so so that's interesting. So your pre-show ritual now is maybe still, well, it's a little different, but yeah, my, still similar. It is. I mean, I still uh, bend down <laughs> and I touch the ground, uh, but it's just. Is that how you literally get grounded? Where I was figuratively getting grounded, but you're literally getting grounded. I'm literally touching the ground and saying, here is something solid. Here's something that I have under me mm-hmm, and that, mm-hmm. that is... Uh, is a part of this. That's a part of the meditation uh, of because a few meditate almost all the ones I've done will say like just feel the support of the ground beneath you and the chair beneath you, mm-hmm. um, and and so that's in a way literally getting grounded as well. Yeah. Um, so that's very interesting, and I like that. Um, let's talk about these shows. Obviously, we had to talk about these shows. You're doing two amazing shows here. Yeah. And they're both at a really great bar for intelligent people called caveat yes and caveat's great um some people may know people listening may know about north coast the north coast does a show there called anybody which is clearly inspired by hamilton because they're taking a a historical figure as a suggestion and then doing what north coast does which is do an improvised rap hip-hop show and the shows that you're doing are also educational uh but very fun. That's all the shows there that I've seen are just super fun. So you've got the first one that you started was a show called Versus. Yes. And so Versus, oh, uh, the tagline is it's um, uh, it's WWE meets debate club <laughs> uh, where we, we pit two uh, scientific disciplines together. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. the audience decides which one is uh, is is going to be the winner. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll have pretty obvious pairings. We have had dogs versus cats. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can say that both you and girlfriend of the show mm-hmm. uh, were, were there. Uh, Thank uh, you for the correct title of <laughs> girlfriend oh, of the show. Of course, yeah. uh, girlfriend of the show was of course very uh, adamant and had. <laughs> yeah, had we had to idea. go with dogs. Well, of course we're dogs. Yeah. And dogs won very handedly. It did. It did. <laughs> but you, so one of the awesome. So you, it's you and there are two cohorts who mm-hmm. um, you know also started the show, and they pick sides, but each of them also gets an expert. To talk about the side that yes. they're on. Yes, uh, which is pretty great. So mm-hmm. uh, the really cool thing is that uh, we live in New York, and mm-hmm. there are so many people. <laughs> An abundant amount. An abundant. It's really been a cool way. Uh, I would say my social circle has changed uh, in New York in a way that I just never would have imagined. <laughs> I hang out with a lot of scientific educators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of people who are in uh, the PhD program mm-hmm. over at American Museum of Natural History. It's a lot of people who are just uh, 
they they have big Twitter. Science <laughs> Twitter is like a real thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so kind of through that, it's been fun to kind of meet all of these people who are super passionate mm-hmm. about what it is that they do and will really go to the mat for their, their topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've mm-hmm. got a show coming up on uh, this Saturday that's uh, fish versus birds. <laughs> and um, so we've got a migration expert uh-huh. uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, pesca... I'm not sure what she would be. That's very interesting. And, and, you know, dogs versus cats and birds versus fish, they're pretty closely related. But a lot of the shows are not. I mean, we did one that we went to was dinosaurs versus art. Yeah. You know, like those are two things. (laughs) How do they get pitted against each other? Totally. And that's a great question. (laughs) But that's what's fun. That is what's fun. It's interesting to see people's reaction to the two opposites because people will be like, oh, you can't even compare moon versus cheese. And it's like, like you have no fun. Exactly. Those are people that I never hang out with again. Right, right. And it's everybody at my office. It's how do you not see, I don't know. I just it's a mischievousness, you know, a, a mischievousness. Yeah, I've heard it both ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for but honestly, it's 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 just the fun in it, you know, is that it's it's moon versus cheese. Like you know, it's yeah. no, they aren't anything near the same. That's what's fun about it. Right. What has more value in the world? Let's yes. just find out for the fun of it. Um, we had uh, we've had an issue before where not everyone got we vote with poker chips mm-hmm. and I can't remember I think it might have been squids versus whales mm-hmm. which was a pretty hotly debated topic mm-hmm. and not everybody see. got a poker chip so not everyone could vote and it really got very close and a couple people started to yell from the audience like this wasn't fair I couldn't vote and I was like Everybody calm down. This is just a show. Right. <laughs> Why None are we arguing works. about this? Like, yeah, no one's going to get anything from this. Yes. Now, <laughs> when alcohol's involved, though, it does up the ante. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. We did rats versus pigeons. There was a scientist there. Pigeons won. Mm-hmm, and there was mm-hmm. a scientist who works with rats who was crying and was like, you don't understand how great they are. And I'm like, oh. Oh, oh Wow. No, you know, people also, especially when it comes to animals, if they are way in the corner for an animal, they will be offended if there's a stigma around it, especially uh, uh, very, very easily. Right. And frankly, I feel like if someone had really paid attention, they would have been like, hey, rats, these are these are really cool. But people go in with their like preconceived yeah i mean the only time we've really done that is dogs versus cats Mm -hmm. every other time it you're obviously going to go in saying like art versus dinosaurs i i mean i guess art why would i go with something that you don't really have now and then you hear the other side and you start getting swayed that's the amazing thing about verses yeah um i think like there are a few really amazing things but the most amazing thing is that if you don't have a dog in the fight and you're just going like, well, I like this, so why would I not pick that? How you can get swayed yes. by the arguments, by the experts. It's super fun. Um, I love it. And there are very few times where mm-hmm. I'm going in with a clear a clear idea of who I think should win. Mm-hmm. People ask me a lot after the show, like, who are you going for? But I really rarely tell. The only time that I was, I was pretty like, 
I want this team to win. We did Sharks versus Dolphins, and I was super pro Shark, um, but uh, but Sharks uh, did not win. Dolphins Dolphins mm. won by one vote. Really? Yeah. You know, I was just in a conversation because it was Shark Week with someone about how sharks get a bad rap. They're really not that bad. She even went as far as to say that even when they bite people. The only reason they do is because they're looking for food, and when they realize that it's not what they normally would eat, and they don't really like it because it's a human and not what they normally would eat, they stop biting and just like move on. And they're like, "That's why so many. That's why people always live from the shark bites." So I was like, "Come on, yeah, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't make me okay with sharks, right? <laughs> they're I've still also, biting people." <laughs> I've also heard a theory, and I don't know how accurate this is, but I and someone's gonna be angry in the science world about this Mm -hmm. uh but i i've heard that uh if you're if you're particularly like if you're trying to like hit them um they're really just moving away so that you'll bleed out which is what they do with a lot of their more aggressive prey so like they're not actually that far away from you (laughs) but they're just waiting for you to calm down and then they'll come back right right um how accurate that is i truly (laughs) don't know yeah, I see the logic in that. Yeah. Um, and then this person though was also saying that dolphins really aren't that great because <laughs> they'll That's like accurate. they'll break your nose when they like try to get it. It's like what they're not thugs in an alley. <laughs> they're they're actually pretty terrible. Um, really? And it, they're it really, so cute looking. They but they um so they have sex for pleasure mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I think we all can <laughs> be on the same page. Certainly everyone in this room. <laughs> yeah. Um except for me, but I I understand that culturally that's a thing. I'm waiting for marriage. <laughs> uh, to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I'll Not like to have it. it. Yeah. Just to enjoy it. <laughs> I'll <laughs> like it when I'm married. <laughs> That's sure, so many people we grew up with. <laughs> oh my god. And not even then. Yeah, I bet we can both exchange war stories of like it took a couple, I know, two years to like sex. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Bible belt, y'all. Oh. True love waits. <laughs> True and enjoyment of sex waits even longer. Yeah. <laughs> Lord. No, but so we're we're talking about dolphins, but mm-hmm. let's move on to talking about your other show. That's also very because both of your shows at Caveat have gotten a lot of ink yeah. about them. They're both very popular shows here, and the other one is Why Your Train Is Fucked. Yes, you said the name, so now I can say. The so name. yeah, I mean there are a lot of things like there there are times when that's in the the title, and people just do the f dash dash, you know, sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. titles of books will be that. But this show doesn't do that. It's just actually called Why Your Train Is Fucked, right? Yes, that is true. Yeah, we're, we're trying not to be cute. In full disclosure, though, I will edit it on social media because mm-hmm, I have, mm-hmm. speaking of Bible Belt, a uh-huh. ton of very conservative <laughs> right, right. people that still follow me. Right, and that's you know one of the few times I'm, I'll curse on the show, on the podcast. Yeah. It's just naming. It's just the name of the show, It's folks. the name of the I show. Mean, you know, they're just words. Yeah, <laughs> just and words. Uh, they really are fucked. <laughs> like, Listen, uh, yeah. I will say I, I appreciate the fact that the subway's there and that I can ride it and it's usually fine for me, but could it be better? Yeah. Yeah. And if they ran like a lot of businesses run themselves, they would be better. 
Totally. <laughs> you live off of the F, Jason. I feel like uh, you live off one of the worst lines, frankly. Really? See, I'm like one of the few people who really likes the F. I don't like the R. Oh, well, no, the R is slower than molasses in January. Mm. And there was an actual reason for that for, mm. for a good long while. But uh, thanks to Andy Byford, who's our, our current president of, uh, of, of the MTA, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. he kind of helped kind of pave the way for mm. okay. uh, kind of changes there. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. there were these mandatory speed limits that the R train would have to uh, observe. Oh, wow. And so in theory, they're doing things to kind of increase the speed so that they're actually able to... Uh, to like go a normal speed limit because prior to right. that it was just you know I just don't like the style of train the R is oh yeah what is the R is it like the bucket seats that kind of face yeah, each other and yeah I hate that I and love it, lo- it. It's, I, what I what I like if, it, if I was like walking by a museum and they had the, an R train car sitting there and be like oh wow it's like a blast from the past that's cool but sitting on it, I feel gross. <laughs> I'm like, this seems very, it seems like they haven't washed this from the 70s. They probably haven't. <laughs> and given the high crime rate in the 70s, mm. there's blood on there. <laughs> yeah, I, I am <laughs> not about it. No. <laughs> I like the F. I like the N. The mm-hmm. N's a yellow line. But so uh, for people who don't live here, we're just talking about the subway. And don't worry about the F versus the R and, and what that all means. Basically, it's just the MTA, the subway system. And that's what you all are talking about and why all of the problems, current problems exist. But you take a historical approach to addressing it and you have uh, a secret person on the inside we do. <laughs> we we have a person on the inside that helps us with uh, with fact checking mm-hmm. and information. Mm-hmm. So this person uh, uh, works kind of uh, tangentially with uh, mm-hmm. with the MTA, mm-hmm. um, but uh, so can't uh, can't mm-hmm. get a paycheck from our show. Can't mm-hmm. ever be mm-hmm. seen. Uh, but we are we are very grateful for this person. Um, but uh, to kind of talk a little bit about you know what I think makes that show so great, there were a couple of things. One of them was um, I think it's cool to be a part of a show that mm-hmm. is really trying to advocate and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a show that's trying to. It's not just about why our trains are fucked. It's also here are here's the current state. Mm-hmm. History mm-hmm. is fun, but let's talk mm-hmm. about like what what in history is now actually messing us up. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have signals that have, have been around uh, longer than my parents. Wow. You know, on some of these trains. And and to be And able, your parents aren't old. My parents are, and they're not spring chickens, but they're not winter chickens Right, either. right. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing their best, but, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. But that's still several decades It is old, still several which decades is, old. Well, maybe uh, show some attention, MTA. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, and they're trying to, but the funding and, and all of that, we're really living in a very interesting time for the MTA. But it's... Um, you know, I, I want to make sure that we're not alienating a large group of the, the audience by talking too much about the MTA. But what I think really is the big takeaway mm-hmm. here for um, for me, it's been really great to work for a show that says, yes, you can um, you should learn and you should laugh. But also here are ways that you can actually become involved and mm-hmm. you need to vote for legislation mm. uh, or, or uh, for electric elected officials that mm-hmm. are actually going to help. Make Help changes. The situation, yeah. Um, and also for me as an artist, um, why your train is fucked uh, 
has given me this whole other avenue that I would never have been able to do. So in a way, it's kind of like dramaturgy. I'm Mm -hmm. going back. I'm actually able to do the research, and I like that. Right. But um, no one, and and when you and I were in alchemy, um, I was not the one that people would come to for writing. I was never in sketch, and I was one of the founding members of Alchemy Comedy, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and actually one of the only, uh, I was the only The only female, yeah. Yeah. You say one of the, simply because... Harrison is a very soft man. He's but. very soft. <laughs> Chapped hands, but very soft. Um, but you were the only woman. Yeah. Well, you still are the only woman to have co-founded the theater. To have co-founded the theater. Yeah, it's true. And um, and I feel like that um, that was great. But finding my voice mm-hmm. uh, has been a journey. And I think a lot of uh, a lot of women have felt, you know, oh, I have to make sure that I'm not getting steamrolled or I'm not you know, yeah. doing these things. Mm-hmm. Um since I moved to New York, I feel like I have found this whole other side of me that is independent because it has to be because mm-hmm. I couldn't because I don't have alchemy behind me. Right. Um, and it's really been great because mm-hmm. I've been able mm-hmm. to say kind of like I did with TEDx, which was truly the first time that I created that comedy entirely on my own. And and to be able to be at caveat and to say I can do these things mm-hmm. completely separate of everyone else and people will love it. Yeah. And that's been a huge deal. Um, and and being a writer and and it's improv uh, is great and an improvised line that lands. I mean, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it just feels oh, yeah. so good. Oh gosh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when a, a line that you crafted lands and when it just came to you r- seconds before lands, it's just two really, they're different feelings uh, because they're coming from different places. You're yeah. thinking differently. One is a little more exhilarating than the other, but it's still nice. That's true. <laughs> they're both real nice. And I'll actually say that I think the improvised line, there is a certain amount of exhilaration, but for me, because it's still something that's so mm-hmm. new for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. Um, writing something that people, that we have to take a laugh break for. Right. Is that feels phenomenal. so good because yeah. there's build up to that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, oh, I really like this line. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. You don't have that with improv because you just thought of it a second ago. Exactly. <laughs> um, they're, they're very different, but uh, they're like cousins of each other. The the um, fun of both of those types of things landing. Um, both of these shows, they're like I said, they're real popular. They're real good shows. And I think it's, it's amazing that you're doing it. And it feels, again, like everything is coming together. Like your histor- history background and your performance background. It's, it's all just synergy again. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Um, and I'd love to get your take on this. I'm always curious as to, like, when is it going to be enough? Mm. But if I really take a, a beat and actually think about the things that I've, uh, frankly, and I won't even apologize for being this blatantly, uh, you know, here's my improv dick, or comedy <laughs> dick, but, um, like, the fact that in two and a half years, I have two shows that pay me, I was able to, you know, I'm, I'm, I was in timeout, the printed edition, <laughs> and my picture was in there, and the fact that, my show was in the New York Times, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like, what, what else is there? And sometimes it, I don't. I have this hunger of like, well, there's got to be, there's got to be something else. Maybe there is, but even if that's the last thing that I do here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been really, really uh, lucky and and 
it's been really, really great to be here in New York. And I've come into myself Mm -hmm. in a way that I was never myself in Greenville. Well, that reminds me of something I was talking about with last week's episode. Um, uh, Well, in last week's episode with the guest of last week's episode uh, about how you don't know what's coming in the future. You know, it's we all we oftentimes assume it's bad, but we don't know. It's you know, true. All the good things that happen, we a lot of times we didn't know it was going to happen. Right. So, yeah, you have these things to say, that's nice, I did that, and this is an ongoing show, or these are both ongoing shows that I'm doing. You know, who knows what's going to come, but why worry about that, you know? Yeah. Um, no, that's nice. That's really great. And I would say that the reason that I got those shows is really because... Um, I was taking that follow the fear mm-hmm. element. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, moving to New York was following the follow fear. Follow the fear, yeah. Going to things alone when I really didn't have a lot of friends here yeah. was how I met the people that connected me to Caveat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's putting yourself out there. And there are definitely, I'll have conversations with people where they're like, oh, I, you know, if I don't have anything to do, I'll just stay at home. And, you know, <laughs> we live in a city where we can go places and, and have that conversation with somebody next to you. Mm-hmm. You just never know. You and never know. Yeah. Yeah. Make a friend. Yeah. I mean... There are people that I've spoken to and then I found out later that they were kind of a big deal. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, oh, all right. Well, we're just pals now. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a really cool thing about living here. And you absolutely just have to kind of get out of your comfort zone. And if you make a big move wherever you move to, that's you getting out of your comfort zone. So you can do it. You can do that. Absolutely. So continue to just get out of your comfort zone and talk to people and try new things. And that's why you you have managed to do these two shows and and continue to strive in this city. And I think both of us moved to New York in our thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I think that that is uh, to to put a plug in for that. I definitely believed a lie. You know, the older I got, that it was like, well, it's probably too late for me. That's some nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was great to move up here when mm-hmm. I did. And I think you and I moved up at the exact time that we were supposed to move right. up. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree. If I had moved here when I was first, when I first said I'll move here, um, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. More than 10 years ago. And, um, absolutely would have been rubbing shoulders with all these amazing people that are famous now but i moved up when i was supposed to move up and i'm happy about that i don't i don't want a different life that i've already had you know what i mean yeah Um, this seems like a good time because this is a really good button on the conversation that we've had so now it's time to get into the creating something stage of the uh, of the podcast yeah and i don't know exactly what we could do a few different things one thing that has come to mind is that um justina has mentioned that we should do a show at caveat we should try to like create something for the podcast here uh at caveat that would um, be amazing. You yeah. really, really should. Caveat's always looking for more opportunities. Oh, great. That'd be great. And frankly, they're leaning towards podcasts. Yes. Oh, okay, it. cool. So the idea of trying to create something is, you know, what would, what is the process of just trying to create some? What are the things someone needs to think through to try to create a show? And Justine is going to, I guess, write notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, you know, when we think about, um, you know, shows at Caveat, um, trying to think of like 
uh, the what is the intelligent part of it? So what are mm. we exploring or unpacking? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of mm-hmm. a, a part of it that we always kind of look at. Okay. So we just launched this newsletter and the whole idea of the newsletter is to help comedians in their life pursuing comedy. Right. Um, so I guess that is the thing behind it. You know, it's just like, what are the, yeah, but if it's a show, a caveat, it has to appeal to people who are not pursuing comedy. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I guess there are enough comedians in New York that could go to it, but, um, or comedy nerds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Comedy nerds. And I mean, I think that there's room at the table for... So they did have a a, a, um, a show that kind of looked at, like, the science behind mm-hmm. jokes. But I feel mm. like it'd be fun to do some kind of, like... I don't think it all has to be science. I, mm-hmm. right. I frankly, am much more inclined, to, personally, to go to a show that's yeah. more, like, the either behavioral science yeah. or you know mm. the psychology behind something i think would be. that's um, kind of what i'm most interested in with this at least just lately i've just been thinking you know i want to actually interview a psychologist and just sort of talk about different things and and personality traits oh um, see i think that'd be fun yeah mm-hmm. that'd be cool i had two ideas one is more fleshed out than the others the first one is um not fleshed out it's like comedy like the reason it's so great is because it helps us keep things in perspective helps us like from taking ourselves too seriously so i didn't know i was like let's take these serious subjects and make them funny but then like i don't want to be offensive to anybody Mm -hmm. you know like immigration (laughs) lighthearted you know right right right. (laughs) yeah you know what i mean um but sometimes it's good to laugh yes (laughs) yes it is good to laugh um and then another idea that i have was chautauqua as a fellow homeschooler i was a big chautauqua person (laughs) as a public school student i know nothing of what you're talking about meg tell them what chautauqua (laughs) is chautauqua is a um it's a national uh uh, group where basically history comes alive yes um (laughs) where uh historical reenactors basically become oh like uh, what i did okay yes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but in a much more in-depth they really do spend a lot of time researching it's usually someone who studies this person for a living yeah like they're the professor at a university and they've, they've written a dissertation or two on um, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. wh- whoever it might maybe oh my gosh when we were little we used to love it but I was thinking like Chautauqua for like comedians like um, because pe- like I feel like there's actors in New York who could do a Richard Pryor there's comedians mm-hmm. in New York who could do a Robin Williams you know without mm-hmm. being offensive like with like paying you know tribute to them mm-hmm, you know yeah mm-hmm. and then you know Chautauqua you act out you answer questions as the person you act as the person and then you like break the fourth wall and you're like hey i'm i'm this person i'm also an expert on them if you want to ask me any questions yeah Hmm. i don't know i love i i love chautauqua Mm -hmm. and so like Mm -hmm. to do Mm -hmm. it like with a comedy focus and maybe they don't have to be dead why do they have to be dead they don't have to be dead you know yeah so well the chautauqua people are pretty adamant that they have to (laughs) (laughs) i know you're so right (laughs) but but i love that and frankly like jason one of the things that i um I so admire about you as my friend is you are so knowledgeable about the history and roots of comedy. Wow. In, in wow. a way. I feel like an idiot all the time. So thank you. Well, <laughs> it's all subjective, I guess, because I feel like you know so much more than I will ever know about comedy. And I feel like 
that history of comedy is something that I would really love to unpack. Hmm. And I feel like there's there's room at the table for a, a show that looks at the history of comedy, mm-hmm. but is mm-hmm. Chautauqua style. Yeah. And, you know, um, or maybe there are elements of Chautauqua while still saying, hmm. like, um, you know, we're going to be focusing on early 70s or... I, I don't know, maybe like shock jocks. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a very specific right, genre. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Interesting. I mean, like, there's things that we find humorous that we could, like, look into the history of, like, how did this become Why a joke? Why did this become a you joke? Know? Why is, yeah, yeah. Where do memes come from? Someone's probably mm-hmm. done that show, but I'd still there's watch There's, like, it. a website of that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, there's, like, knowyourmeme.com. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, that's, that's definitely interesting. And there was something else I was thinking of. Oh, like a game show. Is there a game show going on at Caveat? There was the game show. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. um, that performs at the Bell House sometimes now. Oh, does it? Yes. Oh. So. We're down the street from the Bell House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. But what kind of game show? Unpack that. So I was thinking if it was like comedy history of some sort, but also you can also go the direction of uh, finish the joke type of thing. Mm. But I don't know. I, it... That might be funny, especially if you could put people in a position to be funny who mm-hmm. might, they might not necessarily consider themselves comedians or funny people. Right. But if you set them up in the right way, mm-hmm. they'll be funny. You know, oh. especially on the fly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, people are so funny when their real personalities come out, you know? I'm not sure how to do this, but I would love to see a show where it's, I can make you funny. Oh, yes. Nice. Oh, That's that would funny. be cool. Like, like queer eye, but solely focused on comedy. <laughs> I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. I could see that too. Yeah. We've got a lot of things to think about. Wow. So too many ideas. A t- bunch don't, of ideas. Don't put this in. Th- people are going to steal these. Don't. Oh, don't let them. <laughs> well, I I think the next thing to move on to, um, like once we find out an idea, would be how does one get a show at uh, at even if it's not caveat, like what is the process? Would you say like does someone need to come prepared with the whole thing or the idea or or what? Yeah, well, take it from me who did not come well prepared <laughs> uh, when I <laughs> pitched a show. Um, learn from my mistakes. Um, I would say come with an outline. Mm-hmm. Come with the why of the show, mm-hmm. not just here's what we want to do, but like mm-hmm. here's why mm-hmm. it matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and come with a uh, with flexibility and know right. okay. that your show, like I I pitched a show, and then it wasn't quite what they wound up doing, but an mm-hmm. iteration of that show was was done and was very fun, and I oh, was able cool. to, to co-produce that very briefly. But um, you know, come with flexibility and know like these people are going to be my co-creators mm-hmm, in a way mm-hmm. so okay. i i want to hear unless you want to just pitch it until you find somebody who's going right. to stick with your vision but right, that's just right. such good advice that is. i mean oh man that's such good advice like unless you have your own venue you kind of got to be flexible you got to think you about know? yeah that is one of the practical things that a lot of times people don't think about yeah and i mean definitely show. get everything in writing if you want to totally. make sure yeah, that yeah. like your own it or whatever. If you, uh, yeah, yeah, you own the rights or like mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. any kind of. I mean, podcasting is huge now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of any of that kind of stuff. But I know places like Caveat will do their own. So both of my shows are Caveat Originals, which mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. they kind of they belong to Caveat. Right. Um, oh, interesting. But 
there are other shows there that are just caveat will host. Yes. Uh, which, you know, is something that you can do and, and frankly get a little bit more of the, the creative rights. Right. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. That was such good advice. Thanks, Meg. Yeah. Anytime, girlfriend of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, delighted. There it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Guys, this has just been lovely. Jason, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am really, really honored to have been asked to do this. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Now let's uh, drink wine and eat pizza. Let's do it. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. And it was Captain EO. Captain EO. Okay was driving me up the walls that was the name of the disney francis ford coppola michael jackson thing all right enough of that if you're in new york city go to caveat it's a cool cool bar definitely go to versus or why your train is fucked and also follow us on social media at there it is pod on facebook twitter and now instagram and please subscribe to the newsletter link in bio check out some things everybody all right i am off to a callback for a a commercial i hope i get wish me luck until next time be good to each other the music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. 